0: Today's week two uh, in the sermon series that we're on. This is how I feel, and by the use of uh, emoticons that, are, uh, that we use texting and on emails and all of that to express uh, our, our emotions, uh, we're going to book for these uh, eight weeks that we're together, had one already, to look at these different eight emotions and a little emoticon to, to illustrate it. we we'll to talk about anger when I'm angry. Uh, bitter. When I'm bitter. Resentful. When I'm resentful. When I'm discouraged. When I'm greedy. And then content. Because that's the level where we always need to move towards being content. Last week we looked at worry. And a lot of people said that really hit home by talking about worry. And I think today's will too when we talk about the fact that we all face temptation. When I am tempted. That's what we're talking about today. What do you feel? What do you experience? Well, I think everybody can agree with this that we face temptation because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Now, that says two things. Temptations are common to us. But God also gives us a way to withstand the temptation. That's what it means to stand up to the temptation. He gives us a way to withstand that. Now I want to give you um, the results of two surveys uh, that I came across. One was um, just the top ten Temptations of Americans, kind of across the board, and this is what um, this is what were their biggest temptations. Number one is worrying or being anxious. So that should have hit home with most everybody last week. Procrastinating, putting things off. Why do it today when I can do it tomorrow, and tomorrow might not come, so I don't have to do it and all that. Okay. Eating too much. Now I don't know where they surveyed that, but that doesn't fit with us, does it? Okay. Spending too much time on media. You know, whether it's uh, your phone or, or your iPad or your computer, personal laptop or whatever, or even um, television or whatever. Being lazy. Spending more money than they could afford. That is a great temptation in our culture today. Because Madison Avenue does a great job with teaching us that we need everything that they advertise and we need it now. Um, gossiping about others. Being jealous or envious of others, and boy, that leads to a whole host of other complications, doesn't it? And then we get into the two things that I think are greatly tremendous problems today: viewing pornography or sexually explicit material, and abusing drugs and alcohol. Those are some tough things. Now, when people were asked if they did anything specific to try to stop um, yielding to the temptation, this is interesting. 59% said no. They didn't do anything to stop the temptation. And they really didn't have good reasons why they fell to the temptation. Now the second survey I want us to look at uh, basically would have to be I think believers, followers of Christ. Because it's a, it's a survey that was done in um, Discipleship Journal, a magazine. And this is where they ranked by readers' response uh, the areas of greatest spiritual challenge to them or temptations to them. Number one is materialism. Number two is pride. Number three was self centeredness. Number four was laziness. There, that comes up again on both surveys. Then there was a tie for number five between anger slash bitterness. And sexual lust. Even God's people, followers, have that, that problem of temptation, sexual lust. And then the last three are envy and gluttony and lying. It's interesting, our temptations, aren't they? The things that we consider our top temptations that we face all the time. Now, these survey respondents um, noted that their temptations seem to be stronger when they had neglected their time with God and that that's a pretty good reason for doing that now they were asked then how did they withstand temptation and they said through prayer avoiding compromising situations through bible study and being accountable to someone those are good ways uh, that we can deal with the reality of temptation, and we're going to talk more about that as we look at the text today and talk about this whole issue about being tempted. But from my um, shallow Christian friend, we've got another uh, insight from him about um, about temptation and how we might want to handle it. Okay, let's watch the video. Temptation comes in many forms and tries to get us to do the things we shouldn't. Temptation can make us believe things that we know aren't true. It can make dangerous things seem safe and evil things seem okay. Temptation is the strongest tool Satan has. We must fight temptation at all times. One way that I have found to fight temptation is to give it to (laughs) him. If you give it to temptation, open those I'd love to hear those guy, that guy's uh, thoughts about that. But I think it's, it's, he's pretty realistic. You know, I think that's kind of where we stand as well. You know we give in to temptation you don't have to worry about it. Well that's not what we learn through the Scriptures is it? Now I want us to look at in Matthew 4 I think a, a great example of that is his temptation account of Jesus. And we find that in, in Matthew's Gospel chapter 4 uh, beginning in verse 1. And this is what Matthew records. He says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit Into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And worship Me. And Jesus said to him, Away from Me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him." Uh, This is a a powerful passage of Scripture because it deals with a powerful incident in the life of Jesus. And I think it is unique because of two reasons. Number one, Jesus was there in the wilderness by himself. He was alone. No disciples were with him, no small group, not that inner core of disciples, nobody else. So the issue is, how did Matthew and Luke, who also records this incident, how did they know that this event took place in the life of Jesus? Well, the only way that they would have to know that is that Jesus obviously shared it with them, maybe somewhere in his teaching on temptation somewhere later on. He shared that incident with them. and he talked to them about the reality of temptation and how strong it was how powerful it was and how Satan would work the other interesting thing that makes this story so unique is is that um, it shows to us uh, the humanity of Jesus on full display you know I think sometimes we forget about that um, humanity of Jesus and and uh, we kind of put him in a different level every year at Christmas I just always kind of are amazed at the the line in one of those long time Christmas carols that we sing about Jesus, the little Lord Jesus, no crying He makes. Well if Jesus was fully God and fully man and He came as a babe, being a normal baby He would cry. I mean that, that just has to be a fact of life. And Jesus' full humanity is on display here in the fact that He faced temptation. He had to deal with temptations and some of the same things that you and I have to deal with. Now here's what this temptation time was all about. Is that Satan was trying to to tempt Jesus into sinning so that he would not be capable of being the Messiah. And at the same time Jesus was withstanding the temptation so that he would not sin so that he could be that Messiah and fulfill God's plan for his life his mission to come and to die as the perfect sacrifice for our sins and to seek and save that which was lost and you see that gives to us then i think a sense of hope when we understand the reality of that and that's exactly what the writer of hebrews says to us in hebrews 4:15 we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. See so that affirms for us the fact that, that Jesus was perfect. Even in His humanity He did not sin because He was perfect. And He faced all that temptation and He battled with it and He won. And the reminder to us is that God always provides a way for us to win over any temptation that comes to our life. And so we look at that verse there in 1 Corinthians 10-13 where it says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Everybody experiences these things. And then it says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And so sometimes we fall to that temptation. We get weak, we fall to that temptation, and we say, well God, how did that happen? I thought you would not let me fall to that temptation, that you wouldn't put anything in front of me that I couldn't stand. Well, that's where it comes to be our fault because God does provide for us and prepare us for temptations. Now there are three principles in this story that we need to make sure we understand if we want to be victorious over temptation because we we all face temptation, right? Let me ask you this, does anybody in here not struggle with some kind of temptation sometime, somewhere in your life? Okay, I was going to say because, wait a minute, let me check you out. Okay, no. So we all deal with it, right? I would give you a free pass that you could leave now if you didn't deal with temptation. But everybody does so you stay, okay? We're gonna deal with them. Three principles out of this story. Number one, expect temptation to be a part of life. If you haven't come to that sobering reality now, you need to, right now. Expect temptation to be a part of your life. It, temptation will pop up in some of the places you never thought that they would show up. And it's a part of life for everybody. Look at what it says about Jesus in verse one Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Jesus was perfectly in the will of God going into the desert. And there He was going to have that alone time, spiritual time, and and focus on His relationship with God and the ministry that was before Him. But it came to Him in that time when He was inside the will of God. And and I want us to understand the fact that it, it was Satan who tempted Jesus and not God. God will test us, but He will not tempt us. In fact, the Bible says that very clearly in the letter of James. James in chapter 1 verses 13-15 through says, When tempted, when you and I face temptation, no one should say, God has tempted me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it is full grown... Gives birth to death. See, God does not tempt us, but He provides for us the power over temptation. Now, I want you to notice something else about this temptation of Jesus. It came as temptation will often come to us, and that is after a great spiritual victory. Jesus had just been baptized been announced as as the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. The voice of God spoke and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then Jesus went into the wilderness and immediately He faced that time of temptation. He went from that wonderful high spiritual note to where He was facing temptation. And we have to face the reality that's oftentimes the way that Satan works with us. Where we reach a spiritual victory over something and we turn around to go on with life, and boom, Satan just hits us with another temptation right there. Sometimes it works in your life in the life of the church this way. You know, you, you accept a, a position of, of uh, say, leading, uh, leading in, in praise worship here, and, or you accept a position as being a teacher. A great, great, powerful place of responsibility to be somebody's Bible teacher in a class, no matter what age it is. Or well, you accept responsibility to be a deacon. And you know, you're thanking God for that opportunity and those privileges to serve Him. And then, whammo, the next thing you know, there's Satan. And He's tempting you. And He's going to try to destroy you because that's what He always does. He wants to deceive and He wants to destroy you. God wants to build you up. But Satan is always going to want to deceive you and to destroy you. And you see, one of the reasons that we're so susceptible to temptation after a great spiritual victory is we're human. And oftentimes what happens is, is when we have a great victory then pride comes in. Pride will come in. And the Bible says that's dangerous because Proverbs says in Proverbs 16 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. So temptation will come when we've reached a spiritual high and a great victory. Here's another thing about temptations. They will come to us and hit us where we are vulnerable. Normally not where we are weak, though sometimes pride can get in the way of that, but usually where where we are weak. And the first thing that Satan did to Jesus was he hit him where he was weak. He had been out there 40 days. He had to be famished. He knew that Jesus was hungry. And Satan said, turn these stones into bread because those stones might have looked like a loaf of bread out there. He hit him where he was weak. He knew he was vulnerable at that point. So temptation usually doesn't hit us where we're strongest, but where we're weakest, because that's where we're most likely to succumb to the temptation, is where we're weak. Now that doesn't mean we have to throw in the towel, and like our shallow Christian friend said, just give in to temptation and it'll go away. But the reality is temptation happens to everyone, it's a part of life, and we need to be ready. Uh, to deal with it, knowing that it's going to come at some point in our life. Now, that leads us to the second principle, and that is this we need to understand the process of temptation. See, God does not tempt us, but Satan does. God will test us, Satan always tempts us. And I think this uh, uh, incident in the life of Jesus is a classic example. Of the contrasting differences between God and Satan. See, God always wants to develop us. That's why sometimes we face tests. Satan always wants to deceive us and to destroy us. And one of the things he uses to do that is temptation. He will use that to deceive us. Now, I want you to look at the three temptations, how crafty Satan was when he tempted Jesus. Because I think we can apply these same three principles to our own life about these temptations. First of all Satan tempts us to have something we are not meant to have. The devil said to him if you are the son of God tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered it is written man does not live on bread alone. Now was there anything wrong with food? No. Our problem with it is we usually take it too much in abundance. And the and the issue of food at that point was Jesus was there to fast and focus on his relationship with God, and he wasn't supposed to have the food at that time. In the appropriate time, yes, but not then. And here's how we relate that to our life. Sometimes we want things and we get things that we're not supposed to have. How does that work? Well, we want a bigger house. We want a, we want a, a new car. We want a boat. You know, we want a motorcycle. Uh, we want a, a second house or a third house. One in the mountains, one at the beach. Nothing wrong with those things if God provides that, and that's in His will for your life. But what often happens is, number one, it takes time away from God. To enjoy those toys you have and the extra things in your life, it's going to take time away from God. you got a house at the beach, you've got a house at the mountains, you got a house on the lake or wherever it is, you've got to be there to enjoy it. And when most of you do that, it's going to be on weekends, it takes you away from God. And then, one of the other things is to afford those things, unless you really are budgeting well and really are blessed financially, it might lead you to give less to God. That might be why only a, a certain percent of people in the life of this church are known as tithers. And, and a lot of people don't tithe and a lot of people don't give. I think it's because you haven't handled debt and handled that issue of buying well. And so some, sometimes Satan says, you know, have this, it's good. You know, what's, what's wrong with this? Well, That's the temptation to have something that we're not meant to have. And he tempted Jesus with food. And sometimes that's a big temptation for us, isn't it? I, I, this week, Thursday afternoon, I'm sitting in my office. Uh, I'm working to make sure everything's ready for the day. I'm minding my own business. You know, I thought I was fully prepared for the day. Phil's out running around doing some, uh, some uh, stops and visits. And one of them was to go up here to CeCe's Pizza and talk to Mitch about possibly, uh, you know, providing some of those wonderfully delicious CC cinnamon rolls for our pre- uh, coffee time here uh, before we go to Bible study. And Phil comes walking in my office and he lays a box on my desk like that and he says, "Here you go, big boy." I said, "What's that?" He said, "Mitch sent these to you." And I opened them up. I don't know how many of they are in that box, but there was a full box of hot. Fresh, sticky, ooey, gooey, delicious salmon rolls from CC's Pizza. I even tried to sing, "Yield not to temptation," but it wouldn't work. I had to eat them. (laughs) I love those things, and I ate four or five. And I finally said, "Okay." I took them through the office, and I said, "Okay, Allison, here you got to have one. Lindsay, you got to have some. Uh, uh, Tiffany, you got to have some." I called up to, uh, to Amanda and she said, no, I'm not going to do that. Rick hit some, Rick got one or two, you know, we, we, I, I, and Carolyn, trying to get rid of them. Finally, I put the last of them on Tiffany's box and I said, you have them. So, Phil, I'll be honest, Phil did not succumb to the temptation and eat any. The old devil in disguise, he gave them to me. <laughs> and Amanda stayed true to her diet. She didn't eat any. She withstood the temptation, you know. So, temptation can come to us in any different form or fashion. And it comes often to give us things that we are not supposed to have. I don't know why I'm not supposed to have those cinnamon rolls, but I'm not. I don't know why. My pants were tighter this morning. Second thing is Satan will tempt us to be someone we are not meant to be. Look at what he said to Jesus. He led him up to a, a high place and showed him... The kingdoms of the world and said to him I will give you all their authority and splendor for it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to so if you worship me it will all be yours. And Jesus answered it is written worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. I I, I got a problem with that. And and I think it is the way Satan sometimes works in our life. When he tempts us about things that we are not supposed to be not, not meant to be. It's because God has already promised us what we're supposed to be, and He's already provided that for us, and Satan can't do that. Satan was offering Jesus the opportunity here in this temptation to be an earthly king, and that was not why Jesus came. God had already sent him to be the forebearer of his heavenly kingdom, and to die as the perfect sacrifice for our sins, so that our sins could be forgiven and we could live in relationship with God. But the temptation that He offered to him is the same temptation that He offers to us. Sometimes to be someone we are not meant to be. We are not meant to be. Sometimes in God's plan it is for us to be very successful, to make a lot of money, and to have power, and to be popular, and to be famous. But along the way though Satan comes along and he always tempts us that we are possibly capable of being something else bigger and better, and having this and having that power, and it's not what we're supposed to be. That's not what we're supposed to be. And it leads us away from God and God's plan and God's will for our life. And then there's the third temptation that Satan hit Jesus with, is that Satan tempts us to do things we're not meant to do. Maybe we understand that one better than the other two. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple If you are the Son of God, He said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command the angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. What Satan was doing is what he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. He twisted the reality and the truth of Scriptures. And In the Garden of Eden he said, did God really say that? You see, it, 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 he, he was tempting Jesus and us with things that we're not supposed to do. We know there are a lot of things in life that are good that God provides for us, but we aren't always content with those. There are things out there that we want to do, that we really want to do, and we do them, and it's not what God means for us to do. Now, I want you to know something else about this temptation business here, besides those three examples. Also, notice that temptation does not last forever. And see that gives us hope because oftentimes we say like our shallow Christian friend that said just give in to it. And that is sometimes in the battle of temptation we will say I can't fight this forever I might as well just give in to it. Well the reality is you don't have to fight that temptation forever. In fact James says in James 4, seven, resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know you can stop it for a time. Now here is the other side of that. Not only does it not last forever but it doesn't go away forever as well. In fact Luke's Gospel chapter 4 verse 12 the same account of this story says that when the devil had finished all this tempting he left him until an opportune time. I think that opportune time was when Jesus was praying about the ultimate will of God for his life. The night before He was crucified in the Garden of Gethsemane. And His humanity and His divinity there were doing a battle. And Jesus prayed so much that His sweat drops were like drops of blood because He was battling, He was battling with Satan, He was battling with that issue of whether He was going to be faithful to God and be that Messiah and be that perfect sacrifice for our sins. Temptation won't last forever but it doesn't leave you forever. Okay. So, that leads to the third principle that we need to look at very carefully. And that is we need to develop a strategy for overcoming temptation. It is interesting that when Christian readers responded to the survey we mentioned earlier they said of course that the temptations were more powerful when they had forsaken their time with God. When they spent less time with God and neglected that time with God temptation had a more powerful tug on their life. But the way that they knew that they could resist temptation was accomplished through prayer, Bible study, being accountable to someone, and avoiding compromising situations. And when we hear 1 Corinthians 10, 13 again that no temptation is taken us except what is common to man, and God will not let us be tempted beyond what we can endure because He always provides a way out. Jesus is that way out, not only as our Savior but as our example. You see, Jesus did not yield to the temptation of Satan in the wilderness because He was prepared spiritually. He had gone through spiritual preparation. And if we are going to be ready for temptation whenever it comes, in whatever fashion it takes, we've got to be prepared spiritually. And when you look at the Scriptures here about Jesus going into the wilderness, there are some things that we find that were part of His spiritual preparation. Number one, He was full of the Holy Spirit when He was led into the wilderness. We need to be full of the Holy Spirit. Asking God to fill us more, praying for the Holy Spirit to come more into our life. And the more we yield our life to Him, the more He comes into our life. And then what did Jesus do when He got in the desert? Well, He fasted. Why did He fast? He fasted so that he could totally focus upon God, forgetting about food. I will be honest with you. Uh, fasting is not, not in my spiritual principles. It's not, it's not one that I do. I know that uh, some of you do that. I know Rick's done that on several occasions. I don't do that. I don't even fast between meals. I have to be honest with you about that. <laughs> I just don't, I don't think I could focus on God if my stomach was rumbling. And so, but I know I need to do that. I really need to do that at some point in time. The other thing we know Jesus was doing was He was thinking about the Scriptures. He didn't have a leather bound words of Christ in red uh, NIV or any other translation Bible. He didn't even take the scrolls with Him. He took the Scriptures in His head and in His heart. And you notice that three times Jesus answered Satan with Scripture. And they all came out of the book of Deuteronomy. Now let me ask you this, how much of the book of Deuteronomy have you committed to memory That's kind of one of those Old Testament books we kind of say, well, you know, let's go to the New Testament and I'll find some things there. What's interesting is that the scripture that he quoted out of Deuteronomy was about the time that the children of Israel were in captivity and they were wandering in the wilderness. That was interesting, wasn't it? Bottom line is Jesus defeated temptation because he was spiritually prepared for it. He was training himself all through his life and he was spiritually prepared. And the same thing holds true for us. Now, as we wrap this up, I'm going to give you five questions to ask yourself about temptation, okay? Real quickly. Number one, you need to ask this question always. When am I most tempted? When am I most tempted? You just have to look back over your life when you failed a temptation or when you met temptation head on and ask, you know, when am I most tempted? When it's when you when you're tired. When you're feeling rejected, when you're disappointed in the events of life. See, all of those can play into, into temptation coming. Secondly, you need to ask this question, where am I most tempted? Where am I most tempted? Now, and, and, you know, what's the pattern of your life? Where is it in your life where you are where you are most tempted? Then the answer is stay away from those places. Now, any of you remember the old um, the old uh, comics thing, uh, movie, uh, show uh, Hee Haw. Anybody remember that? I used to love watching that. Right? And one episode uh, one of the guys, uh, Campbell fell. was standing there with his arm broken and looked at Doc and he said, Doc, I broke my arm in two places. And the Doc says, if I was you I'd stay out of those places. <laughs> well, the same thing is true. When you identify where you are when you're tempted you need to stay away from that. Number three is an even bigger question. Who am I with when I'm tempted? Hmm. Some people are more tempted when they're alone. Some people are more tempted when they're with strangers. Some people are more tempted when they go out with the guys or when they go out with the girls and they think this is okay. We can let our hair down and we can do these kinds of things like that. So, you need to figure out who are you with when you're tempted the most. Number four, what temporary benefits do I get when I give in to temptation? You see, sin always has some kind of immediate payoff, or we wouldn't do it. It's like eating the, the hot, fr- fresh CC cinnamon buns. It's delicious. And it satisfies the craving of a sweet tooth. So that's why I do it, okay? But sin does but sin is not a permanent is not a permanent high or, or whatever it is that we want from that. If sin came as the pain of a root canal, I don't think we would sin as often as we do. So you gotta ask yourself, why do I do it? What temporary benefits do I get when I fall to temptation? And is it worth eternity? Compare it that way. And then number five, how do I feel right before I'm tempted? How do I feel right before I'm tempted? So you've got to know what your emotional triggers are. That's why we're looking at these emotions that we're talking about: anger, bitterness, envy. Uh, jealousy, all of the greed, all of those kinds of things. Those are emotions that can trigger our falling into deeper sin, and especially as we know that that can bring temptation into our life. So, you need, need to know how you feel right before you're tempted. One guy says, I know when I fall, I'm going to fall into pornography. It's when my wife rejects me. And when I feel rejected, then I can go there on the internet. He was honest about it. So, you've got to know what your emotional triggers are. So, here we go. We wrap this up. We all are going to face temptation. It's a part of life. And the only way we can be prepared for it is to have these spiritual disciplines in our life. And Jesus is our example for that. We've got to be spiritually prepared. We've got to be strong. We've got to anticipate the temptations. And we've got to be able to stand strong and yield to the Holy Spirit in our life, to the leadership of God in our life, The presence of Christ in our life. So that we will not fall to the temptation because Christ is our way out and God has provided that for us. So, whenever you face that temptation and everything we've said boils down to this, just call on God and say, I don't want to do this. Let Jesus be my way out of this temptation. Okay, let's pray. Father, uh, we thank You today. Uh, for the example that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ gives to us in handling uh, the the great issue of temptation. Thank you that He did not fall to the temptation of Satan and He could be that perfect sacrifice for our sin. Help us as we go through the normal flow of life and deal with the reality of temptation uh, that we too could withstand the temptation and all the wicked ways of Satan as he would seek to deceive us and to destroy us. And that we can remain true. To you as we depend upon Christ as our Savior uh, and that we follow His example. And Father, I pray that uh, Christ will be present through the power of the Holy Spirit today and lead people to make decisions for your honor and for your glory. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen.